This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Marketing Against the Grain, hosted by Kip Bodner and Kieran Flanagan. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Look, if you want to know what's happening now in marketing, what's ahead, and how you can stay ahead of the game, this is the podcast for you. Host and HubSpot's CMO and SVP of Marketing, Kip and Kieran share their marketing expertise, unfiltered in the details, the truth, and like nobody tells it. In fact, a recent episode, they titled Half-Baked Marketing Ideas. They got down in the weeds, talked about some outside-of-the-box campaigns with real businesses. Listen to Marketing Against the Grain wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Becky Blades. She's an entrepreneur, writer, artist, and philosopher of creative, adventurous living. Since selling her first company, an award-winning public relations firm, Becky has studied what she has coined Stardustry, the Art of Creative Initiative. She's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Start More Than You Can Finish, a creative permission slip to unleash your best ideas. So Becky, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. I have to warn you that when my wife saw this book come through the door and saw the title, she said, you're not allowed to read that book because nobody needs to give you permission to start more than you finish. So I have to tell you that, you know, you have one person out there that thinks this is a terrible title to a book. So I'm sure that because it is sort of counterintuitive, right? I'm sure you're getting some similar pushback from people. Exactly. But you know, you are my people, John, and my people get it. And you know, it's also tongue in cheek. Right. And my first book was, the title was do your laundry or you'll die alone. And sometimes I ask people why they bought it. And they say just the title and they hate they hated it. But they wanted to know what it was about. So this no, I mean, the the bottom line is when our parents said all those things to us, don't bite off more than you can chew. It's not what you start. It's what you finish. You know, they were likely trying to prevent us from making a mess, you know, getting out the paint or starting a Legos project before dinner. And they did not accomplish getting us to finish more. They just got us to start less. Hmm. So, the, you know, beginning there, I'm not saying don't finish. Never anywhere do I say don't finish. But the more you start, the more you will finish. Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't want to push back on this too much, but I know that some <laughs> some pushback you will get from people. I mean, is there a little Certainly. danger in then us just constantly treading water because, you know, we have that mindset of like, oh, I'm going to go over here and do this now. Oh, I'm going to go over and do this now. And Lord knows there's enough things distracting us as it is. That, that's a valid question. <laughs> I think I think when we know when we treat starting as a skill and a strength, which I think it is, yeah. then we will get better at kind of curating our ideas. I mean, you're an excellent curator of ideas. You don't you've done you've made a lot of stuff. I've only seen your finished stuff, so I'm sure that you have a lot of things that didn't get finished. But don't you think they? led up to two things. One, you making better calls on the ideas that you do initiate. And two, they likely led to richness in new ideas and a courage 
three, this is three things, <laughs> a creative courage just to move forward. Yeah, I, it also led to me having to add a detached garage to store <laughs> some things in. But I, the money line from the book, my favorite line from the book that I wrote down is take, when we take action, we bump into answers. And I think that probably in some ways is the, you know, at the heart really of what I think you're trying to say is that, you know, sometimes you've just got to start some things before you realize like, what's the right thing. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, does the idea have legs? And I mean, I think in organizations, especially where, you know, you're sitting in a meeting and the goal is to make more money and it's time is money. And so the initial instinct is to shut things down, you know, stay on the road, but we don't know what we don't know. And until we know, until we can answer a few questions, we don't really know what the idea is made of. And so what we do in organizations and some of us personally is we plan them to death. And we all know, especially in lean organizations, that the finish is never what the plan originally designed. Yeah. It's hopefully better. So we don't, do, you want, do we want to wait two months till the perfect plan is in place? Or is there a way that we can talk to the customer now? Is there a way that we can fashion a prototype now? Yeah, I love these books that start out by saying you need to have your 10-year vision. You know, that's <laughs> to, to me, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a goal of what you want life to look like maybe in 10 years, but boy, how would you have a very clear vision of, you know, in even next quarter sometimes it feels like. Right. You, you I read in your bio the term, the term stardustry. You want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you, what you mean by that, how, you know, address that, what that implies. Mm-hmm. Well, Stardustry came out of the term Stardust, which came kind of <laughs> out of a situation at home where my kids were trying to figure out what I was after I sold my first company. And I'm a visual artist. And after mm -hmm. I sold my first business, I came home and amped up the painting studio and I was an artist, but I also had some, you know, projects in the work. So I was I was mentoring some entrepreneurs and stuff. And so every once in a while, they'd see me dressed up like a business person. And <laughs> one daughter came down and said, Mom, you know, what are you now? Are you a business person? Or are you an artist? And my other daughter from another room said, she's a stardust. <laughs> or I think I said, you know, I'm starting this and I'm starting that. So right, the other right, kid right, said, right. It, she's a stardust. And I love that word. And, you know, to your earlier points, not finishing things did not make me feel good. And I wasn't proud of, at that point in life, in my 40s, of all of the things that I hadn't finished. I didn't really know where they had taken me. So, But after some study of my own unfinished work, I realized that I am, if there's one thing I am good at, it's starting things. <laughs> And I, I start pretty fearlessly and there's all kinds of reasons for that. And I was starting to shame myself for such of that, some of that. So I started then to go the other way and to really try to find the, the dignity and worth in that and found it in spades. And it's just like the term artistry. It's this vague kind of, it's a skill and a strength and an art and I think it deserves its own word because starting is its own process. So you, this is a little bit of a segue or off topic segue, I should say, since you mentioned them, have you 
you certainly are a creative person. In fact, I would be remiss if I didn't point out the beautiful illustrations in the book, should somebody get the book, which you did as well. But you've also raised a couple of pretty creative kids, haven't you? Yes, I have two daughters. And um... go ahead and brag, because you've got some <laughs> yeah. stuff to brag on. Oh, well, they're they're both kind of in. It, it, honestly, they didn't take after me. They took after their husband. I'll restart Definitely. that. Honestly, they didn't take after me. They took after their dad, who yeah. is a speaker and performer. I mostly write and do art in my basement. So one of them produces comedy shows and improv, musical improv at places like the Edinburgh Fringe. And and then the other, the older one is a, a writer for the John Oliver show. She's, it's her dream job and she just got this year and she won an Emmy for comedy writing. So she's, and I talk about them both a little bit in the book because we had a lot of, you know, their statistic skills were inspiring to me. If they wanted to start a play, they'd start a play. <laughs> <laughs> well, so part of my point in going there is that I think a lot of people would look at what you're talking about as being a trait of a more creative person. You know, creative people are always coming up with ideas and new ways and probably are more guilty of starting things that they don't finish. I don't have any research that mm -hmm. suggests that, but so how about that person that's out there going, yeah, okay, I can see the validity in this, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm just not that creative. Well, I think we all have to read up on creativity. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not art and music only. It, you know, that's certainly the fun part of it, but creativity is problem solving. It is, it's the product of our imaginations and our imaginations are the best of our lives. I think the best of us lives in our imaginations. So we come up with ideas that we might not think are creative out of the sum of our experiences, our knowledge, or, and so those ideas manifest only if we can be creative because that's, we've got to make something out of nothing. That's all creativity is walking up to a blank page. And anybody who does that has to admit that they're creative. Anybody who doesn't do that, I think might have to admit that they're not living their best lives. You know, it's, so it's not, you know, I know I used to, I started the book kind of thinking, Ooh, I'm going to find the accountants who are poets and the, <laughs> you know, the, I can't think of, you know, those, well, pick those on very linear jobs. Pick on engineers. They're easy ones. <laughs> but engineers, no, they're the inventors. Oh my gosh. I found out the most fascinating people are engineers, but they work differently. Their ideas emerge differently and the creative process looks different yeah. for them. But the tinkering, you know, I think we just need to kind of take this out of um, thinking that creativity is art. Now, yeah, yeah. you're, uh, you know, so I, I think I just learned this. Do, are you a woodworker or something? What are your, what's I, in the I, garage that you were just I, talking I, I about? I do, I build furniture, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you are still, cre you know, you're creative in your business, but you're, I think of you foremost as a business person, but you're an artist as well. And yeah. can yeah. you see how one, that you're, artistic skills in one area maybe helps you in the others? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not the problem. There's other people out there that we, <laughs> we have to work on. I have a whole oh, I see. musical instruments, you know, on there. Oh, so. <laughs> cool. Okay. Let me ask you a few things. 
Do you feel like you know what differentiates your business from every other business out there? Can you confidently charge a premium for what you offer? Are you working from a plan, a marketing roadmap that allows you to know precisely what to do next? Look, don't worry if you can't answer yes to any or all of these questions. You're not alone. See, marketers today get so focused on the tactic of the week staring them right in the face that they forget to look at the big picture, the overarching strategy needed to consistently grow their business. Over the years, I've worked with thousands of businesses, helping them do just that, create the perfect marketing strategy and plan that gives total clarity about what to do next confidence to charge ahead and charge more, and complete control of the marketing tactics they choose. I would love to help you and your team do the same. Look, to find out if our Strategy First program is right for you, visit dtm.world grow and request a free consultation. That's dtm.world grow. All right, so let's get back to like, I'm sure there are people out there listening that, you know, that 10 years before Uber was designed set, had the idea for Uber, mm. <laughs> you know, but mm -hmm. just did mm -hmm. nothing with it, you know? So you hinted at this a little bit, but what do you think stops people, you know, from taking action on mm. or starting, you know, things? Yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, it lurks in the finish, the whether or not they think they can take the idea where it needs to go. So if somebody has a big idea like that, they, you know, honestly, will smart, will, honestly, we can start our smaller ideas yeah. easier than our big ideas. Sure. But, you know, what I found, this was a survey of art and art students. I started asking them why they didn't start their best ideas. Cause I thought these are creative people, you know, they don't have any responsibilities. Do they have things they haven't started? And they all did uh, things they wanted mm -hmm. to start that they hadn't. And, and I asked them some open-ended questions and then I, you know, pared it down to seeing that it was a question of enough. They didn't have enough confidence. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough space, physical space, whatever it was. There's a list of about 10 most common. But then when I ask, do you have enough just to start? The answer was always yes. And then they went to the work of figuring out, well, what is the start of a bridge mural? Oh, I guess it's a sketch. And then I guess it's getting permission <laughs> to paint on the bridge. You know, and once they start the momentum, it's it's just another whole process. I mean, you know, that that magical switch that flips everything from neuroscience to, you know, Providence supports us in that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned some of the reasons that they said not enough. I mean, I would say most entrepreneurs would say I'm just too busy, you know, to start something. Not enough time. Yeah, not enough exactly. Time. Not enough time. So, I mean, like if you are that entrepreneur that it actually depends maybe your life or growth or whatever you want to call it depends on you creating some new things. You know, how do you prioritize? How do you decide if time is truly in it? Well, I think we all have to build our own processes. And I talked through that in the book. One easy one is to chunk it down to the very smallest way you could begin and feel like the idea has a little spark, but let's go back. The decision to start, uh, I think for busy people has to start to, you know, has to rely a little bit on a gut yeah. and a process that you've 
set up and declared for yourself. Like one year I declared, I'm going to say yes to any idea this year that somebody else gives me or that, you know, how people are always saying, John, you should write a book about this. (laughs) So I didn't say yes to any books, but um, (laughs) my rule that year was if somebody suggests something and it's really doable, I'm just going to say yes. I'm not going to think, I'm not going to overthink it. So anyway, that is, I think the decision and picking the best ideas are key. And so somebody that just has every, you know, just has, says, is that that place where I cannot handle one more thing then, and an idea comes along and that might be the big idea that might be Uber. I think that's, I think that's where we separate the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Is you have to put, you can delegate something. I mean, you know, one guy runs GE. How does he get it all done? <laughs> Delegation. <laughs> well, you know, what I've always, I mean, I've, a practice I've always had is that, you know, whatever you have on your task list will fill up the day. And so, you know, I've always time blocked, you know, impact time is what I call it, you know, where I will intentionally, because I can get my to-do list done in four hours or I can take eight hours, (laughs) you know, if I don't have anything else that's Mm -hmm. planned for the day, but if I block off that, what I call impact time, I'm going to do it (laughs) and I'm going to get my to-do list done, you know, faster. So I think that's a Mm -hmm. practice that's, that certainly worked for me Mm -hmm. in that category. So one, just one other answer that one rule I set for starting new ideas is if it's going to overflow into another idea and make it better. So Mm. in business, if I think of an idea that has a collaboration with somebody that's a good client or somebody I could benefit from spending more time with, there's a, you know, there's an ancillary benefit. Yeah. And natural multiplier. I don't know why your time management thing made me think of that, but it's kind of killing two birds with. Yeah. One of the other things I think, uh, again, this idea of, new ideas, innovation, you know, comes for me, you know, I can spend all my time talking to marketing consultants and we're (laughs) going to all talk about the same thing and we're going to all copy what we're doing. So, you know, what are some of your practices for getting outside that bubble? Because I think that's where innovation really comes from. Right. You know, I think the ideation process is, comes from ideation. And so we have to, you know, bark up some really strange trees. I think that's where our art and our extracurricular, our extracurricular activities come in. And I also think cross training with other startists. So, you know, just getting away from the business and recommend a thing I call a startist salon, which is something I just do is almost, it's almost a book club group I have where there's a musician, there's an inventor, there's a, um, a woman who has these cool pop-up book clubs. It's just people who are start things in different ways. Yeah. Because I know I've learned things from doing my art that I apply to my business. And I think, well, what if, you know, I'm both people and getting ideas. What could I get from a lot of other people? It might feel like a waste of time. It might feel like a luxury, but I think it's a good practice. You know, I've, you know, always try to. I mean, I'm not the greatest at it. Now that I'm old, I'm really bad at it, but <laughs> I really try to force myself into new things, new places, new, like I, my book reading is so mm. eclectic. You know, I read about wolves and I read about calculus and I read about architecture, which wow. you know has no, mm. no 
no seemingly practical application for my work, but I always get amazing ideas, you know, from those other places. Exactly. And I, I want to go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I want to, I want to end with giving you the opportunity because I think that there is no question, like a lot of things there are people that are wired this way, <laughs> maybe, or they grew mm -hmm. up in a, an environment where it was very encouraged. I mean, and so there's, they, you know, they, it's quite natural, but I think that you, you not just imply, you say in the book that you can get better at this, that you can practice this, that this can become a habit. So talk a little bit about, you know, how we practice. Right. I think it's making a game of it. Start as many things as you can. Maybe keep a log, make it a, make it a, you know, 10 in a day, start a limerick, yeah. start a, a conversation, start acknowledging the things you're starting. Because what I think people don't realize is how many things they're already starting and how much courage they're using to do that. And pretty soon the stakes of every start reduces, you know, if you start a hundred things in a week, the stakes of that one thing are lower. Yeah. Yeah. And so pretty soon starting that big idea and talking to a person you've never talked to, you know, part of it is muscle memory. It's like stage time when you speak. And in the book I go to, you know, I offer some examples and it's hard to do this because you don't want to tell somebody sketch, you lose them because if they don't yeah. fancy themselves an artist, well, this is just for artists. So you really have to go into your own world and remember the things you started when you were a kid. Mm. I mean, we could all do a drawing. We can all do a limerick. We could, and after this book is launched, I want to probably start a, some kind of repository for those ideas so people can get, you know, go on and have a menu. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm speaking with Becky Blades, the author of Start More Than You Can Finish. So Becky, you want to invite people to where I know the book's available in a lot of places, but to where they might connect with you as well. Yeah. Go to BeckyBlades.com. That's Becky and Blades like razor blades. Awesome. Well, it was uh, great catching up with you. I appreciate you spending some time with the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Thank you, John. I loved it. Hey, and one final thing before you go. You know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing strategy assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get. Mm -hmm.